All right, draft 412. We have a special draft podcast on the Penguins 2023 draft class. I'm here with uh, draft 412, Joe. Um, we don't got Dave or Emmett tonight, but we're going to do a we're going to let the people know what we think of the Penguins draft class. And Joe, start off with um, this first pick. Um, you were at the three ice event, which um, from all intents and purposes, I heard was a great event uh, by uh, held on by EJ Johnston. Um, I wish I could have got to go to that. And I hope people in Pittsburgh realize next time they're in town uh, to go to that. But we were on the phone and we were talking about um, the pit, the Penguins pick. You were out for the intermission and we were talking about who who's on the clock and who's who's um, on the board still for them. And as it went live, me and you were both a little, I'd say a little bit taken back, maybe disappointed to a point. But explain to the people our thoughts during that. Yeah, sure. So Braden Yeager is is not a bad pick. You know, he he was predicted to go exactly where he went, which was in the mid-teens. I mean, some draft bureaus had him as high as 10, others as low as 23, average is around 15 or 16. Penguins got him at 14, and that's not a bad place for him to be. And I know Kyle Dubas was a big fan. He likes big centers. This guy has skating ability. He's got a very accurate shot. This guy's Ceiling is close to maybe what Jeff Carter was in his prime with Philadelphia or L.A. Uh, you know, this guy can, you know, can can move the puck, pass the puck, shoot the puck, um, you know, but, you know, he has a floor closer to maybe like a, like a, you know, a third line center guy. So, you know, it's what you find when you're drafting 14th overall. This is exactly, uh, you know, where he was supposed to go. And the Penguins just happen to be in the position to take him. But to your point, I think in our draft guide, uh, and many others, there were guys that were still left on the board that somehow slipped through 214 that the Penguins kind of punted on. And, and one of those was center Oliver Moore. Uh, you know, Moore somehow slipped all the way to 19 to the Chicago Blackhawks. And this is a kid that's the fastest guy in this class, maybe in the last several classes. Uh, and I'm, I'm telling you, he's going to make one heck of a pairing uh, with a one-two punch at him and Connor Bedard. I think that the the Hawks and the Hawk fans are going to love this draft. They're going to remember this draft as a landmark uh, selection process for them moving forward. And the other two guys were wingers that we had rated higher than them. First was Gabriel Perot. He was the guy that I had in the guide chosen that that if he did get the 14, the Penguins should and, and, and could take him. Uh, and, and they passed on him. And he slipped all the way to 23 to the the blue shirts you know we're gonna have to watch him for 10 years playing for the new york rangers against us in the metro and this is the kind of kid that you win stanley cups with his father was a was a hell of a of a player in the nhl for a number of his years yannick perot started his career with the with the leafs and you know excellence you know center you know uh, you want to talk about a guy that will win face-offs he was one of the best in the league for almost a decade in, in doing that you know and his son gabriel's not that far off and he's the kind of kid that you know, isn't going to be a first line wing, but he'll be a good, solid second line wing. He was averaging a point per game over that uh, during the last uh, season. And uh, even though he might not be as fast, he's got a couple of years to work on his skating skills, uh, but his scoring skills, his passing skills, his two-way play, his vision, his hockey IQ, I think that's something the Penguins uh, missed on. And, and the third one uh, in that uh, that trifecta is, is, is Matthew Wood. There's a big... Uh, power forward from UConn uh, that uh, has a scoring touch. Uh, and I think he's somebody that the Penguins could and, and perhaps should have taken as those three were still on the board. Uh, but, you know, it's hard to argue against Jaeger. I mean, the kid's got talent. 
Um, you know, and like I said before, he was he went exactly where they thought he was going to go. I, I agree with a couple of your points. The first point, um, I'm amazed at the Blackhawks being able to land. Uh, we knew they were going to get Connor Bedard, but to also get Oliver Moore was just, um, like you said, that's two centermen that are, I mean, they might be number one and two speed-wise in the draft. Then you got the number one, and then Bedard is, the, you know, of course, the most talented. So kudos to the Blackhawks. They've been making great moves um, since then. They've been bringing in some veterans to help out, like they brought in, just brought in Corey Perry. So the, and the Blackhawks are making making some moves right now. Um, to the other point, I'd, I would have liked Gabriel Perot or, or Matthew Wood. Matthew Wood went a pick after us to Nashville. So um, that was about the area where we could have got Matthew Wood. Uh, Matthew Wood, I, I like the fact he was going to you know college. He could um, get a couple more, maybe another year at UConn. Um, and and one of our uh, one of our teammates here, at Draft Four One Two, Emmett. Man, he has a good point. And um, you know, once these young kids get in the WHL, he hates the fact that the NHL has this um, this transfer rule. So I mean, if he doesn't pull a Jordan Stall, we lose him for at least two seasons, um, where he's going to just um, just murder you know he's gonna put up a ton of points down there against kids so um i agree with you um i i'm not i guess i'm slightly disappointed but jaeger i mean i did that we did the uh scouting on him he's he does have talent i mean he's um he's a guy that has more of a pass first mentality and and if he has a great accurate shot but he um he could be a 25 goal scorer in this league at one point and i agree that he he could be a second or third line center. And the, the other point you made is that I don't think that no matter who we take there, um, they're really going to be part of the uh, Malkin Crosby era. Uh, or if they are, it's at the very tail end where, you know, they're just basically starting their career. They're not going to really be able to add anything to it. So I, I can't say it's a bad pick. I, I guess if you were going to give it a grade, what, what grade would you give it? I'd give it a B plus. You know, they look, they're in a situation where, uh, they really couldn't miss on a guy in the sense that drafting 14 is high enough. You're going to get an impactful player. Is he going to be a starter? Is he going to come and, and play for you in year one or in year two? Probably not. And as, as you mentioned before, they'll lose him to a, like a two-year window uh, to the WHL, which is, which is fine. I don't see this guy playing in the Crosby Malkin era anyway. Uh, and by the time he's ready to step in, those guys are going to be at the tail end or out the door already and you're going to need that replacement and then if you look at the penguins depleted ranks in the minors uh they could have picked any position and yeah. said it was a position of need and i think when kyle dubas really took a look at it i think what we found was you know this was something that you know he a position he valued uh with not only the position but the size that you value at that position at center uh and this this kid does have a lot of upside so uh, we'll see what Jaeger looks like three years, maybe four years down the road uh, as he makes his way into the NHL at that point. But like you said, for now, it's 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 really hard to see him contributing at all unless they move him in a trade to help win a cup, which I, I think we're already outside our cup window anyway. But still, I agree. I agree with that. I think um, I think it's a good pick for the future. I think, um, like you said, a 14, you're not going to select anybody that um, you might as well get somebody that whenever to. He is ready for the NHL. He will be a help help for the team. I mean, uh, Daniel Boot went to uh, Arizona two picks before. That was a stretch. That would have been, if, you know, if something happened. He dropped the fourteen. That would have been a little rough. Do you agree with that? Like, if if he, if he stretched for a guy like that, that. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that 
what Arizona was doing, they got roundly criticized for their draft. They drafted uh, the defenseman Shimashev way up at six because uh, they had six picks, six and 12. Uh, and then they drafted Daniel Boot and, you know, at that 12 spot. Uh, and But if you look at their draft, they had a strategy going into it. They had 12 picks in this draft and they didn't pick a guy that was under six foot tall. They went heavy. They're like heavy hockey. And look, you've got to play that way in the Western Conference, especially uh, in, in their division uh, out there. I get it. You know, the L.A.'s, the Anaheim's. And, and if they're going to be competitive, they need to do that. But I also think they have a long game in mind here. You know, if, if you really take a look at what they did throughout the draft was they drafted a lot of guys and many of them not only were of that size, but they were also guys from Europe. And some of these guys like Shimashev and and uh, Boot were really hard to gauge because of the Ukrainian crisis. There wasn't a lot of a lot of uh, uh, of, of you know, face-to-face, face-to-face uh, you know, uh, you know, scouting. Uh, as it goes because of uh, the situation that they had with the with the conflict over there. Uh, and so they were betting on the long game with these guys. And I think that, you know, Armstrong and and company will do fine. These guys really they've got they've got some talent. You know, we'll see. I wouldn't have taken either of them that high. I think they got Shimashev later in the in the in the in the, uh, in the first round. They could have traded down on one of those picks. Uh, and we can get back to the fact that they had no trades in a second. Uh, in the entire first round, but ultimately, you know, I think this is a guy, you know, like boot, he's got the size, he's got the skill. He just needs a couple of years and he'll get it outside of the league. And by the time he arrives, you know, maybe it pays off, but I think they could have gotten him much later. Now, before we move on to our third round pick, um, what would you have thought? And I thought about this guy at the last second, if I had to pick a, we named the three guys that we wanted. The fourth guy that I would have maybe looked at, what would you have thought about Sandine Pelica coming here? with that pick, that Axel Sending Pelica. Yeah, so Sending Pelica is interesting. He's one of the better skaters in the draft. Uh, he's somebody that is a puck-moving defenseman with enough size, enough skill. He could be, a you know, not only a power play captain one day, but also, uh, you know, someone that you can count on to, to you know, mop up the back end. Uh, you know, he's a 200-foot player, and this is a guy that, could, yes, I mean, he could have been in consideration. I think the... The, my fear at 14 would have been that this year it was a really shallow draft for defensemen. And so maybe if this were any other year, he might have been forced down the board, you know, but because of of the situation uh, that, that you know, this in particular, this selection process brought, you know, it might have bumped them up the board some too because uh, there just wasn't very many. If you were out there skating, looking for a defenseman, uh, this wasn't the year to go and get one. Now, I say that knowing that the Penguins did take Owen Pickering last year, you know, in the late teens uh, and were in, by all accounts, he's doing very well uh, in his, um, you know, in his growth uh, in the minors for them. Uh, and I think back-to-back years for defensemen, Look, I know we're depleted in the defensive ranks anyway, but you could say thing, the same thing about center, goalie, and, and and wing. So it really doesn't matter. I mean, they, I think that they just took the guy they thought was right for them um, at you know a real coveted position uh, at center, especially with a guy that size and with that kind of shot. And, you know, you have to admit the, Pits, the local Pittsburgh companies, and it could be ourselves included, them Jägermeister shirts are going to look really nice once he comes up. <laughs> <laughs> With the third round pick, um, I'm not too I'm not too upset with this pick. The more I read about this guy, and we we drafted defenseman Emil 
Penny Enemy. Is that right? Penny Enemy. Yep. Email Penny Enemy. Yep. That earlier, I would have never gotten it right, but it is Penny Enemy. So think about it. You want a quarter and a penny's your enemy. That's what that's what that's how you say his name. But he's from Finland. Um, 62176. Um, from what I was reading about him, he, he's a he was a really good skater, and then he he went through like a um in the last year about 16 months he went through a big growth spurt, and it actually um hampered his skating a little bit during the last the last season and and he was ranked I, I went back and looked at a lot of the um the uh old mocks and the old um ratings of players and he was ranked about a second round pick um earlier in the year so not really a stretch on this guy um he's a nice defensive prospect to add to the uh the penguins and like you said before they're depleted everywhere in, in the uh organization so um if he works out you got you know you you got Pickering, you got this guy, um, you got Penny Enemy back-to-back years. Um, it's at least a start with your defense. And re- what do you think about this pick? Well, you know who reminds me of a lot of Ole Mata? If you if you watch the tape, uh, they're about the same size. You know, Penny Enemy's maybe a little bit bigger. Uh, you know, and he's still young. I mean, this kid's 18. He, he may still grow a little more. He's got a frame that he can put on uh, additional muscle. Uh, to he does have an effective shot. Uh, I think he's a good two-way defenseman, as you mentioned. I think that that that's something that you can find in that second or third pairing or along the blue line. And it reminds me of that Ole Mata guy, where you, he's he's playing in Europe. You don't know what you got till you get him here. He comes here, he does really well. Uh, ends up moving on from the Penguins and and going on to Chicago. Uh, you know, and and then uh, you know points beyond, but help contribute to cup wins. I'm not saying he's going to do that, obviously, but I'm saying, you know, if I had to pick a player to, to compare him to at this point from, you know, watching some of the film and, and, and seeing, you know, you know, like the results that I've seen in, in his European play, I think that's probably the closest thing that Penn's fans would identify with. And I agree. And I, the videos I watched him, he's not afraid to hit. Um, as you said before, he's, he's only a buck 76 and he's six foot two. So, there's a chance he could add about 15, 20 pounds of muscle, which um, he's got the frame to do it, which that's always a big thing. Uh, he's a little lanky looking right now. And um, as an 18-year-old and 17-year-old, we all remember this. I mean, he went through that. He went through, I think, about four inches in one, one summer. So um, hockey, I'm not, I'm not a nice skater. You've played hockey. I'm sure if you gain four inches, it's a whole different skating motion. You know, you know, you get four inches to your body. It's a whole different, you know, stride and everything. And once he gets sat down, I, I really like his pick. I um, I actually um, as we go forward, there's gonna be another email, and I think those are the two best picks outside of the first round pick. But um, I have no problem with this pick whatsoever. Um, the next pick here, and this is this from reading about Dubis's past with Toronto. He loves, loves the Russians. He'll, he loves taking a Russian. Uh, player in the middle he's like a middle the middle rounds he loves getting russians and um we took he can play center right wing uh mikhail Ilyin uh from uh from russia um he is six foot 181 another another uh, lanky guy that could put a couple pounds on maybe his um his uh build and he's he's playing he's playing in the khl which ain't no joke for a for an 18 year old so what do you what do you think about Ilyin in the fifth round well, you know, Ilian, it, it's he's a really interesting pick, right? In the sense that well, you mentioned it as an 18-year-old to be promoted to that kind of ranked hockey in Russia. I mean, this isn't like you're you're pulling someone out of Switzerland or or, or Germany or even Nor- Norway. This is Russia. This is 
this is a place where they play hockey and they play hockey seriously. Uh, and as an 18 year old, he made it there. I think that the knock on him is, is not what you just described. Uh, you know, he, you know, he might have a lack of some foot speed. Uh, that's something that can be taught and trained into them. Maybe it'll get to that NHL level right now. You know, his skating ability is subpar for what you want to see in the league, but they're not rushing him here by any stretch of the imagination. He's got a couple of years to put his game together and play in a league that plays on a bigger rink that invites faster players. Uh, and I think that, you know, if he can improve on that, you know, he can make a bit of a, a, a noise uh, in, in the, in the NHL. Now, is he a first line guy? No, this is going to be a third or fourth line guy. Uh, he has positional flexibility. As you mentioned, he could, play center. He does play wing. He's got a good shot for what he does. Uh, but, you know, I also think that, you know, for his skill level or what he's shown to date, you, this is a guy that's going to come in and be a, uh, you know, a penalty killer. Uh, this is a guy that's going to be, give you spot minutes, you know, get you, you know, a couple of, you know, gritty goals uh, when you need him. He's not going to be sexy, but, you know, again, you know, you know, I think the team liked his work ethic. And I also think that, uh, you know, for a mid fifth round pick, this is the kind of guy you're going to find, and they might get a third third line guy out of him. Might end up being a fourth line guy or a quad A player. You know, we'll see as 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 we go. But for right now, I mean, you know, for a fifth round guy, it's hard to argue against this pick. I agree. I agree, and I, I think it's um it says a lot that um in the games that he did play, he didn't put up no really any numbers. But for the Penguins, the you know. For them to say they just love the way he played and and um he didn't back down from the uh you know the the, the bigger stronger guys that are are definitely bigger and stronger than him in the KHL. The KHL is no joke. I mean, you hear guys go over there. I mean, it's it's a tough league. I mean, I think it was uh it was Yager or Kovalchuk about five or six years ago. I heard a quote from them that you know you don't get hit like you get hit in the KHL. You get hit nonstop in that league. I mean, it's a it's a a grinded out kind of league. It's not a real high scoring league either. So um, I have no problem with that pick either in the fifth round um, whatsoever. So hopefully, you know, these guys are guys we'll, we'll at draft four, one, two, we will keep, keep you up to date, what they're doing, what he's doing in the KHL. We'll, you know, we'll do a little, little preview of the guy during the season, let you know what, you know, if the guy's making some strides or not, which will be big. Cause I mean, it's, it's easy to forget about a guy sometimes when he's overseas. Um, the sixth round pick, and this is a unique one to a point. Um, Cooper Foster, a six, he's in the sixth round. He's from uh, Oshawa, Oshawa, the uh, the OHL. And from what I was reading about some of the scouts after they went to his games, was they really weren't there to watch him as there was um, uh, bigger prospects there. But they left shaking their heads, saying that he was one of the better players on the ice for them. Um, he has great passing abilities. Um, right now, it seems like though he's one of them guys that's setting up his uh, the stars. He wants to pass before he shoots. That could, that could be changed. Um, he's a defensive-minded forward. He's actually he's um he's uh, understanding his future role in the professional role. He could be a defensive-minded forward. He's going to have to make the team, in my opinion. He's going to have to be a fourth-line center that um you know learns how to how to play the two hundred uh, foot game right now, but. Uh, from from what I read and gathered about him, it was about where people had him going in the drafts. So it wasn't a reach, and it really wasn't a, a guy that slipped. Yeah, no, uh, you know, and these at this point, these guys are all gambles, right? I mean, you, you got a guy out of a program uh, that is well respected. You mentioned the scouting story before, where the lo a lot of folks are going there to see his teammates 
and he's the one that popped on tape. He's the one that popped during the game. That says a lot about him. Now, there's nothing special uh, to his game. He's not big. He's not. He's not going to play heavy. He's not a guy that has sniper ability and, and that kind of stuff. You're looking at a guy that if he develops into a player and has a chance to make the league, this is a fourth-line guy. This is a guy that's going to come in, grind it out for you, give you those dirty minutes, go into those corners, do those kind of things. But you know, I think the question mark about him is he doesn't play that kind of game. Like he's going to have to change his game from what it is right now, which is a playmaking center uh, to a guy that's going to have to adopt a role that will put him more on the fourth line in the NHL if he if the plans are to get him there. And in order to do that, he's going to have to raise his battle level a little bit to use a Mike Tomlinism. Uh, you know, I think that that's that's true about this guy. Uh, you know, someone with you know he does he's not he doesn't lack size. He's just not the biggest guy. So, you know, he's going to be he's got to be willing to throw his body around. He's got to be willing to do those four checks and back checks and realize that he's not going to get the, the opportunities to do the playmaking that he did uh, for the 67s. What he's going to really have to do is 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 come in and, and be that role player if he wants to make it in the NHL. But, you know, 174th pick overall or whatever he was, I mean, I, you know, at, at this point, it's just a roll of the dice uh, with some of these folks. They may never make it. Um, so, you know, again, you're taking you're taking a guy that has some upside, but knowing that you might have to train him to do something he's not used to doing. And that may take a couple of years. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, this pick didn't really move the needle with me either way. It wasn't it's like, you know, like you said, later you get in a draft. You're basically um, you're looking for you're looking sort of for a gem if you can. And I think this next pick at 217, um, I'm very intrigued with this kid. Um I got my uh, I got the hockey news, um, the draft guide uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they ha- they always have the their top 100, but then they have gems, guys that guys that uh, hidden gems that might get drafted that you don't know about, and boom, this guy shows up in there, and um, his name is Emil Yarventi uh, from Finland. He's uh, 5'10", 168. He's on the small side, but from from all intents and purposes, this kid can score. I mean, he's a goal scorer. He's got a great shot. Um, his, his skills are strong. I mean, um, like I said, I went back to the mock drafts early in the year and where people had him ranked. He was he was second-round talent uh, as the season started this year from, from some mocks. I mean, there's from second down to the fourth and fifth, I saw. But still, to get him in the seventh round, um, and the only thing I've really heard about this kid that's really bad besides his size is he just doesn't skate like a normal small guy. He's on a water bug type skater. You know, the ones you're used to seeing, like the guys that are 5'9", five, 5'10", five, that just skate super fast and are pain. He's really not that speed, but they said his shot is just – it's an amazing shot, and he um, knows where to go to score. And this could be a guy really worth watching here in the next couple of seasons. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I agree. I mean, this was a roll of the dice, and even the pundits, uh, you know, at the draft were talking about it, saying this could be that, you know, that diamond in the rough, uh, and the Penguins got him. I'm surprised he lasted this long because if you took pot shots at, you know, at Cooper Foster and some others in the fifth and sixth round, that to me is like the same kind of player that you have here. Now, I, I do realize they play much different positions, right? You know, so Foster is is a center. Ilian is a center or, or could play wing. The Penguins went down the middle uh, on this on this draft a ton. Uh, and this was a guy that they kind of veered away and, and looked at as a wing and just said, you know what, we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to take a flyer on him. He's a lottery type, like you said. I mean, 
he, yes, his his skating isn't pretty, but you don't have to be. Robbie Brown scored forty goals, right, or fifty goals. I mean, Wendell Young. There, there's enough guys that you can point to that have had careers in this league. Now, some of them play with Mario, and that helped a lot, yeah, right? But like ultimately, great, great a lot of guys out there you could point to and say, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, this guy might not be the prettiest uh, guy on the ice, but man, can he put up points? Uh, and those are the kind that bother you because you wonder how they do it. You're not sure how they got there. And I think that we might have one of those here. We'll see. I mean, he may not ever make it to the NHL. Much, you know, it's a seventh round pick. His chances are are slim that he's going to play, you know, 50 games in the NHL, let alone 200. Uh, you know, so we'll see what we get when he gets here. And I was, um, for the people that, that follow hockey, maybe not, not as tightly as we do. I mentioned in the article today, Patrick Hornquist, he was the last pick of his draft class in the seventh round. I'm not saying this kid's going to turn out to be Patrick Hornquist, but, um, the seventh round. I mean, there's, there's, you, you can make it. You, you can play in this league if you, if you, if you show the uh, skill level. And I think at this pick, um, actually, if we were going to give a grade to every Ron's pick, this is the best pick of the draft. Like by, not to say he's going to be better than Braden Yeager, but for where we get him, uh, this was, this was, um, the pick that I think has the most, the most upside for where you took him. I mean, I think Yeager's going to have a great career, but this guy has potential as a seventh rounder. Um. The last seventh rounder, this is like sort of a complete opposite. Um, he's a defenseman out of um, out of Finland. We, we went we went to Finland route a lot this draft. Um, Kali Kangas, um, six foot four, big guy, defensive defenseman. Um, mechanically, he's really he, he's a he's a mess. I mean, from what I've read from the scouting, he's they said he's got to work on mechanics, and it still might not be enough. Is the quote that I saw. So. Um, you get a big body in your organization, and and I um, maybe it's someone you could even just hey he chills down at Wilkes Barre or, or Wheeling and just gives you a body down there. But I mean, um, I don't see this more than just a a body in the organization. What do you think, Joe? You know, that's likely what a seventh round guy is going to be. I mean, I think what's it what's viable about him is his size and his his want to play defense in a league that that there are those guys few and far between these days. I mean, there aren't that, that many Brian Dumoulin's anymore. There aren't that many Brooks Orpics anymore. Uh, I'm not trying to compare them because those are, those guys were one in round one and round two. This guy's around seven, a real, real, uh, you know, a deep cut prospect that they're going to have to work on. Um, but, you know, if you can get him in the lineup, if you can get him up here and you can improve that skating, like, and it's hard. I mean, guys that are six foot four at 18 years old playing at 200 pounds, they will mature. They, they'll, and, and with that, it kind of comes, it reminds me of my labs, you know, like you get a lab puppy and they've got these big paws and they're running around like Scooby-Doo because their paws are bigger than their arms and aren't ready for it yet. And some of these guys are three or four years away from even being considered at being in this league. And so we're not going to see Cali Kangas or anybody like him, you know, jump out of, out of the seventh round and, and make it uh, to the Penguins squad. So giving them four three, four years in the minors and or playing in Europe to see what they do. Um, you know, there's uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think you're right. I mean, Kyle Dubas, you know, three of those picks, those second day picks were in – I don't know if he has a cousin over there and was looking for a ticket, you know, and a way to get over there and do some scouting. But I'm telling you, uh, he really doubled down on, on, uh, on, on Finland this past year, whether that's coincidental or not. And, and um, 
Yeah, the, the Finland connection was definitely there. Um, and like I said, the the seventh pick, the seventh round pick of Yarventi right before him, um, was you know you just took it, you take a chance either way. I'm not saying Yarventi is a, a guarantee, but uh, you get a guy that you know was was mentioned before, and a guy like Kangas is he might be a body that, like you said, he might might just be an issue with his mechanics right now. He's just a big kid, six foot four at eighteen. I mean, chances are he wasn't six foot four three years ago, so. It, it, hockey's a and, and you played hockey. I, I played deck hockey. It's a lot different. You played ice hockey. When you grow, tell the people like what is the because I mean hockey's all it's it's your, your skating stride and everything is is critical. It ain't like you're just a runner that hey you ran since you were eight years old. You're basically gonna run the same way. You know you're run you're a runner, but when you're skating, you have to. You might not even think you're doing it, but you have to subconsciously change as, as you grow, whether it be. Or whether you have injury, whatever you have, anything, you're always changing your stride and the, and the, the techniques in skating. And when these kids are getting gaining three, four inches, I mean, explain. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to keep up with, ain't it? You can you can fall back a year or two. Well, you know, think of it in these terms. I mean, not only are you growing, you know, and this is their last growth spurt. These guys are going to get, uh, you know, before they they level out. Uh, and they're they're asked to play through that, but you're also standing on skates, skating 20 miles an hour, getting hit while you're keeping your head up, shooting. You have to adjust the size of your stick uh, because now if you take four inches, like we've had some of these players grow, uh, you can use a larger stick. Some guys like using smaller sticks uh, for 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 that, and and now all of a sudden you're adjusting to that. Uh, when you swing back and you and you literally pull back uh, for a slap shot, like some of these defensemen are going to take your stick is going to land in a different position than it was. And I'm not saying you don't recognize that over time. These guys do that. I mean, these guys are professional athletes. These, these are the elite of the elite, you know, the 1% uh, that are going to make the league and they're, they're skilled enough to do that. And so when we rate these guys as scouts or pundits, even, you know, you're really, you're, you're being super picky with these guys, but you, you know, once he stops growing, he gets used to all of that stuff. Um, you know, stride is one thing, crossovers when you're defenseman, lateral movement uh, when you're going left to right, not north to south, but when you're going east to west to stop someone who's a lot smaller and a lot faster than you, and you're there taking up space. I mean, look at a lot guy like Hal Gill, six foot seven, you know, or some of these guys, they're never going to look graceful, Dino. right? You look at Zdeno Chara, who's a you know, uh, you know, surefire Hall of Famer, and the dude's just monstrous, and you know, he he just takes up space. So like you get a guy that's six, four, maybe he tops out at six, five, you know, just that size, you can't coach size, right? It's just there. You can't do anything with it. And that, that cuts down angles. That makes it easier to block shots. Yeah. You're going to be able to hit harder. You're going to be able to take more hits. All those things have value. And if this guy can just straighten out those mechanics and maybe there's something there to play with, uh, maybe not. We'll see. It's and, that's, a rounder. and that's a guy that, um, that, that you watch videos all day with these kids like I do and and you know you see you see the the weaknesses in their game what is easier for um a prospect to adjust in your in your opinion like if the skating isn't quite there is it easier for them to improve their skating ability or if their shot ain't the greatest like what's what's easier to improve on Skating, right? So if, first of all, skating, you could take classes. There are power skating classes. There are coaches that will be out there to show you what to do. Uh, and that is a matter of technique. Uh, with shots, it's a lot different. You it's you can become more accurate, you know, and things like that. But some guys are just gifted that way. Uh, and, you know, people think, you know, taking a shot 
while you're standing still at an at, at an object, but in this case, the net, uh, and you're trying to seek a certain hole on a goaltender, you can do that when you're when you're not moving pretty effectively. Now add you know superhuman speed. We're not talking about a guy running. We're talking about guy skating faster than anybody could run. Uh, and with that momentum, you've got to shoot while you're while you're moving and still be accurate around a defenseman who's in front of you, around a goaltender who's in front of it, into a six-by-four cage, and most of that's taken up by that goaltender's body, stick, and all of his pads, and you've got to find five or six holes to shoot at while you're on the move. That That is a, a lot harder than skating. That's skating, you can fun, practice yeah. all the time and just get better at it. Power skating, speed skating, uh, you can you can work by you know hitting the gym and things like that and, and getting into those classes. And that's something you can take care of. Some guys, like I've never seen a guy with better hands than Pat LaFontaine or Mario Lemieux or Wayne. These guys are just physically gifted and can do the things that they do. Uh, and it's hard to teach that. You've got to, you can practice it, but most of the time, those guys are just born with a gift uh, that puts them in a situation where they're elite and in world class. And that's, and, and these, I mean, some of these guys, that's why you see them in, in the minors. You know, a lot of these guys score a ton. And when they get to the league, you're like, why is this guy a fourth line guy? Well, he's scoring against some of these guys that are never going to make it in the league. And so he's standing out on a team of 21 playing against, and there's one guy on each team that are going to make it. Uh, you know, in, in the league, maybe. Uh, and now you're playing in a league of professionals and it's not just their draft class. It's the 15 draft classes that are before them. You know, Sidney Crosby is 36 years old and you're still playing against him and he's still world class. He didn't get any bad or any worse rather, I should say, you know, over the, over the season. He, and he works on his skills all the time because he's not the most physically gifted guy. He is just, you know, incredibly erudite, you know, and he studies the game uh, and like he doesn't have Lemieux skills, uh, but he's got the heart of a lion. And that's the kind of stuff that for some of these guys, that's the thing that's going to get him into that league. And, and by the way, what, what Joe just did there, we're going to be doing that a lot in the upcoming months with um, Draft 412 is to, to go over what we look at um, when, we, when we're doing these grades, what we what we look at, you know, how you just explained that this, the skating is something that can be worked on and improved. So. You know, when you when you people at home are reading the, these uh, profiles, you could say, "Oh, wow, this guy can't skate." It ain't really that he can't skate; just that he needs to improve his skating, like Joe said. And we're going to go over this in all sports: baseball. We're going to go over why, you know, when we talk about a pitcher not repeating his uh, windup, why that's hard on his arm as he gets older and stuff like that. So we'll we'll explain stuff as we as we go forward to help you guys out with what we what we talk about. And there's certain slang in the um in the scouting that you know, might not make sense to people at home, but it make it makes total sense for uh, people that are watching videos and, and doing things all day. So Joe, we're going to finish this up with, um, how do you think Cal Dubas did in his first draft with the Penguins? I mean, it's his first, it, it, it's, a, it's been a whirlwind. We said this from the day he got hired, it's going to be fast and furious and it has been. Yep. Well, I'll say a couple of things. I think he, he's already ahead of schedule um, you know, the trade for Riley Smith, bringing in a guy that is the heir apparent to Jason Zucker at a contract that's about the same, but he has two more years control over. This is a guy that looks exactly like Jason Zucker, plays exactly like Jason Zucker, just came off of a cup win, scores in big games, 
plays a good 200-foot game, does the forechecking, backchecking that you want to see from a guy that can play on the third line, but he has the talent to move up on a second line. And I think you might see him paired up with a with a Malkin and a Russ next year, depending on what happens tomorrow with free agency. And even though that wasn't a draft day trade, uh, that was a trade that happened before the draft. And that's important because, you know, the Penguins do have some salary cap room this year, which is different than most years. And they 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 ate up $5 million in this, and they didn't give up much. They gave up a third round next year for him. Uh, and I think this guy, Penguin fans, are really, really, really going to like. Move two was Braden Yeager. I would have gone in a different direction, but it's hard to argue against Braden Yeager. I mean, the, the kid's got talent. He can easily step in here and, and be a number two, number three center, as we've talked about earlier in the show. It's hard to fault Kyle Dubas for doing that. I think that we'll find out a little bit more about his intentions in the next 48 hours as we bleed into uh, the you know the first full day and the second full day of free agency and the decisions he makes on whether or not to bring Jari back, whether or not to bring Doolin back at a reduced contract. We already saw tonight that they'd made a qualifying offer to Drew, Drew O'Connor, but didn't do so to Ryan Poling. And so there are some things out there where Poling will hit the free agency market. We might be able to pull him back uh, without having to worry about this arbitration thing that was hanging above his head, maybe get him in at a lesser rate. You know, and I think if he, you know, if we get lucky and he's able to move on from a Grandland and that $5 million a year or, you know, the $4 million Jeff Petrie albatross is hanging around this team's neck to make room for other players to bring in. Maybe he'll do that. I think he can be a hero by you know addition by subtraction uh, in one or two cases, too. So right now I'd have to give him an A minus B plus. I think he's done a pretty good job pre-draft with Riley Smith. And then at the draft, you know, look, I, I think he did adequately. I would you know, I'd give I'd grade him out at a B or a B minus. There was nothing sexy about this draft, but, you know, it, it's exciting to see that they're kind of replenishing the ranks uh, below us and, and gives you a little bit of hope for the future and some pieces that he might be able to move uh, if he needs to down the road. And then, you know, come back to me on Monday and I'll tell you what I think about Saturday and Sunday. I agree. I think um, I don't think people realize the Raleigh Smith trade, how, how smart that was, is that um, five million, two years under control. Um, Zucker made five million last year. He's going to get a raise in the in the free agent work. I'd be shocked if he signs somewhere for five million. I guarantee he's probably going to get maybe six, maybe seven million uh, on the open market. So we, we we save money there. Plus we got we got two years of uh, under under contract. Um, and I agree with you with with the the, the draft. I, I mean you can't really grade it no worse than a B. I mean I mean uh, guys like Garventi, um, uh, Penny Enemy. They if Penny Enemy comes up, they they could have two or three guys that that maybe produce and and get into the nhl out of that class which you can't be without a second round pick and picking later in a third it's not a bad draft class um i do agree the goalie i think tomorrow and sunday is going to go a long way i mean, that's that's his heavy work is tomorrow and sunday i mean yeah well there's a lot of questions about tomorrow right i mean we have a team that doesn't have a goaltender right now we have casey DeSmith, who's a nice reserve uh he can do spot duty when you need to his biggest the biggest question for him is solving that riddle in the next 48 hours, right? I mean, there's a lot of guys on the trading block right now. I think that there are guys that have priced themselves out of Pittsburgh as much as I would love to see Connor Hellebuck here and who I, a guy that I think can really put them back into contention just based on his skill set. He's just going to be too expensive. I know that there's the fan favorite and John Gibson and everybody wants to get him home 
uh, here to Pittsburgh to finish his career. But again, I think Anaheim's going to want too much for him. And $6.4 million a year to play a goaltender, uh, that might be just a little bit too rich for, for Kyle Dubas's blood right now. So, you know, and then there's, there's, you, you take those guys off the market, then you look back and, and you see what you've got. And, you know, Jari might not be a bad re-sign if he comes back at the right price. There are a number of other guys that are Jari-like out there that'll be competitive. Or maybe he does a goaltender by committee thing. I think that there's a, a theory running around the scouting circles and the coaching circles right now that he brings Freddie Anderson in, you know, somebody that he, he's familiar with with his time in Toronto. Uh, and, you know, maybe if, if Anderson and Jari come in and they split by committee, whoever's hot gets the, you know, gets the start and they start until they're not. You know, that might be the way that he solves this within the confines of, you know, a very limited, again, a very limited salary cap. Uh, and I think the other questions are, can he move on from Petrie? Can he move on from Granlin? Is there somebody out there that is willing to take him? And, you know, are there enough other guys that are out there? I think the Tyler Bertuzzi thing is, I think everybody knows he's going back to Boston. I would love to see him in a Penguin uniform. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think that you know, his price has been bid up too high. And, you know, and, and I, I think there might be a few other guys out there that, that they'll focus on, uh, you know, tomorrow and, the, and perhaps the next wave of free agents, depending on what you can get in. But I think I think it's, you know, fixing things around the edges, getting a better third, fourth line guys. Last year, we were desolate in the third and fourth line. There was no scoring coming from there. Uh, and to have some guys that we can plug and play into those lines to make them dangerous again, I think will be helpful. Uh, and so they might not be the sexiest of moves, might be a boring free agency stuff. But if he gets the right pieces, this team was borderline competitive. They they missed the playoffs by one game last year. Uh, and we just saw what Florida did. You know, Florida made a run to the cup by getting hot at the right time. You know, and if you do that, we'll see. And the one I don't think I've heard this uh, today on some talk shows, uh, both nationally and then locally as well, is the return of Matt Murray. Uh, I, I don't see that in the cards. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, even though, uh, you know, I think Doom has learned from his mistake in getting Murray to come to, to the Leafs. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. And I'd, I'd like to see him make a run at, at, at some high-priced free agents. He's already said he's not going to do that. But, you know, who knows? There might be something out there that presents itself tomorrow that's not presenting itself today. And, you know, if Hellebuck uh, doesn't get the deal or, it, you know, people aren't willing to pay the price, maybe Winnipeg's willing to – talk about doing something with him. And there's a few other free agents like Blake Wheeler and others that pop today that even though he's long in the tooth might be something he wants to take a look at. And Joe, me and you both went to Baldwin and love the fact that we have a Baldwin boy in the NHL, but people look at his stats from last year. I mean, I know it's a bad team, but a, a 3.9, 3.99 goals against playing that many games in the NHL is it's, it's rough. I don't care who's the team in front of you. Um, that's some rough numbers for 6.4 million. So I agree with that point of it. Um, I actually saw a weird off the wall rumor today from, from a legit thing, a legit source, but I, uh, I think it, it got squashed right away. Was I heard Linus Allmark's name getting uh, mentioned in a, in a trade with Boston because um, Boston still, they're still sort of in salary cap disarray and they're, they're trying to fix their, you know, they've been cutting people and, and moving people around themselves, but I don't know what we'd have to give up, though. I didn't really get into that part of it, but I was like, I, I can't see us getting Linus Olmark. Well, well, Olmark's he's look. Boston's got two starting goaltenders, right? And one's a former Vezina Trophy, where the other one, you know, kind of led them 
after injury and, and things like that to just a tremendous season. Uh, if they're trying to shed salary cap and they can get something for him, but I think that that's what 5% <laughs> like, I just don't, I don't see someone moving a Vezina goaltender like that away from well, who knows? I mean, Boston, like you said, they, they're not going to be returning to what they were last year, that Cinderella season that they had uh, and it fell apart there just at the end. So, you know, maybe that happens. I'd love to consider that as a possibility. I just, to be fair, I don't, I don't see it. You know, I, I think it's one of those because his name was rumored and the Penguins need a goaltender. Therefore, yeah, you know, one plus one equals two. And it really yeah. doesn't in this case. Yeah, I, I read, read the grain of salt. It actually popped up on my phone because as a, as a good update. I thought we, I thought we made the trader first and I started reading. <laughs> but, um, Joe, that was a great talk. Um, I agree with you. I, I would give, I would give him a, a B right now, a B on the draft. And, and, I think his his trade for Raleigh Smith is the best thing he's done so far. Like I think it just it totally freed up. Um, it, it made you know going into free agency, okay, we don't have to worry about signing a Zucker or, or a winger like him now. I mean, we got um, we we still could sign a winger though, and if we really wanted to, um, but we have money to go all around now. We get a goal, we get a defenseman, we get we get what we need. And I and I agree with you. And people in Pittsburgh, if you see these third line, fourth line wingers come tomorrow. To, don't don't bat an eye at it because um, Nick Bonino. I can name every year we won the cup. There was a guy just like this that were you know you have to you have to have them role players are just as important as the uh, as a front line guy. So I agree with you. We might we might just get might not be a, a sexy day tomorrow, but we might get two guys to become plugs in the future that you know you can't win without them. I mean, you saw in the past when we lose a guy like Hornquist or a guy like Bonino or Haglin. Oh, haggling it, it killed it kills you during the season. I mean, you you miss that yeah. that that leadership type thing. And I wouldn't mind getting a guy that could play third, fourth line uh, penalty kill. I love guys like that. Like I miss, I do. I love the guys like haggling that could come out and score a goal here and there, play a, a third, fourth line role, uh, kill penalties. Um, them guys are them guys are the guys that are worth a lot in my my opinion, especially when you got these these superstars at the top. But Joe, thank you so much. It was a great great talk, um, guys www.draft412.com. It's not going to be too long. You're going to start seeing 2024 NHL draft profiles. Um, we don't stop. The league doesn't stop. So, and next year's class, it, it ain't shaping up as good as this one's yet. But there's there's some players in it. So, uh, so pay attention to that that are coming up and um, look for podcasts. Uh, Pirates, Penguins, Steelers. Everything's sports don't stop. We don't stop. We're always on the clock, right, Joe? You got it, my friend. Take care. All right. See you guys.